Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we're, we're going through the Gospel of Luke. We have been for the last several years. We've been taking it in sections and kind of having a break in between the sections to look at other things. We're, we're back in Luke now, and we're on the section we're calling Earth Walk, the Sacrifice of Jesus. And we're looking specifically at what's happening with Jesus from the time he enters into Jerusalem up until his ascension, which we see at the last chapter of Luke. And we're looking here especially with his interaction with the, the kind of the religious leaders of the time, the, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the elders, and they're not exactly happy with Jesus because he's kind of doing some things that they're, you know, remember last week we looked at it, they were kind of questioning his authority, like what, who gives you the right to do this? What authority do you have to do this, Jesus? And so he asked them some questions himself. He asked them a question to kind of get their thoughts stirred as far as where they're at. So now we're going to go on and Luke shares that after that interaction with them, Jesus shares a parable. He shares a story to kind of make a point. Because the reality is, is with authority, and he does have authority, comes another A word that should be evident in our life. It's the word accountability. Because if there's somebody that I who has authority over me, I'm accountable to that person. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I think we all know that. So, like from your from your work life, you've got a superior or a boss or somebody who writes the check that you are what accountable to as far as how you do your job. If you're a child, you are accountable to your what parents. If you go to school, you're accountable to the school officials. You're accountable to somebody for how you live your life. Now, we don't like that, just kind of like with the authority thing, right? We don't like to be have somebody over us telling us what to do. We kind of don't like the idea of being accountable to anybody. But the reality is, is that there is a sense of accountability here, and Jesus is going to bring that out of this lesson for his listeners. Because... Whether these guys really realize it or not, these spiritual leaders over Israel at the time, Jesus is going to make a point to them that even in spite of all their actions and their thinking and all that they're doing, they are ultimately accountable to the Master, who's that God, concerning what they're doing with what God has given them. And there's some lessons there for you and I as we look at this. And we're going to grasp it as we go through this parable this morning. So let's look with me, verses 9 through 19. Then he began to tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dresser that they might give him some fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again he sent another servant. And they beat him also, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. Again he sent a third, and they wounded him also, and cast him out. 
Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. And he looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And whoever falls on that stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. What we can do, folks, is we can take this section of verses that we're looking at here, we're going to kind of divide it up into three parts. We're going to look, first of all, at the rejection. We're going to see in this, in this parable that there is a section where there's rejection taking place. We're going to see some judgment that happens. The master judges. And then we're going to see Jesus' pronouncement. And from this, we want to try and learn some things that we can apply to our lives and see where we're at in our relationship with Christ. So let's first of all look at the parable and see the issue of the rejection. So Jesus tells this parable. He said there was a guy who planted a vineyard. Now, first of all, this guy who planted the vineyard is representative of God. God planted this vineyard. The vineyard represents Israel or the promise of Israel. And he gave it to some vine dressers, or or a better word for us would be tenant farmers. He gave it to some tenant farmers to take care of his vineyard. So here it comes. It's time for the season of the grape harvest. It says in your scripture there, a vintage time. It's the time of the grape harvest. Now, in the grape harvest, what they would do is, is they would harvest the grapes, and they would make, everybody know what they would make? Wine. They would make wine. The old-fashioned way, with their toes stomping on the grapes. So they would make wine. Now, here's what happens. In that day, in fact, this is how most of the Middle East, even to this day is, most folks don't own land. They live on land, but it's owned by who? Somebody else. And what was in accordance in that day, which was the the laws that governed the place, was is that a guy could own a vineyard, he'd have tenant farmers working for him, and at, at the grape harvest time, when they would make the wine, he would send his servants to get his share. And what he was entitled to in that day was about 25% of the crop. So he gets about 25% of the wine. So he sends a servant down to get his share. Now what did they do? They treat him bad. They reject him. They kick him out. He sends another servant. They treat him shamefully. He sends a third. They wound him. So you kind of get the idea that they don't kind of want to do what they're supposed to do. So he's, so the master decides, well, I'll send my son. They'll respect him. So they send the son. Guess what they decide to do? They decide, oh, it's the heir. Let's kill him and we'll take the inheritance. We'll take it all to ourselves. Now here's what's going on. Their thinking is a little bit different because in their day, if 
the owner didn't have an heir and he died, the vineyard would go to the tenant farmers. So when they see the son, it's possible that they're thinking, well, the master must be dead. Let's just get rid of him too, and it's all ours. So here's what we're going to see from that section of Scripture. We're going to see here that there's some rejection taking place. Let's get look at a couple things there. Number one, they were persistently unfaithful. They were persistently unfaithful. Notice what's going on here. He plants this vineyard. He gives it over to the tenant farmers. And they kind of enter into an agreement. And the agreement is, is that once a year at this time of harvest, they would give up what? 25% of their crop to the owner. But consistently, what would happen? They were completely unfaithful to their obligation. Every time a servant was sent, what would they do? They would reject him, beat him, wound him. They weren't listening. They were consistently unfaithful. And this is the point that Jesus is making about the nation Israel at the time. Because they were consistently unfaithful. Think about that. From the moment they left Egypt to the time that they would go into the promised land, you just need to read through the Old Testament. It is story after story, not of them being saved from their enemies, but the fact of the matter is, is even in spite of their salvation from their enemies, they continue to what? Against God. Rebel against God, reject God, not do what God wanted in their life. Like, what's up with that? I'll tell you what it is. It's our human nature. It's the very essence of who we are. We don't like to be accountable to anybody. Think about it. I mean, we're all sinners here, right? You need to say yes, because we are. Every one of us sins. And you know what? It's not like something we kind of fall into. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, you do. When we go and sin, we know what we're doing. You understand? It's intentional on our part. And here's the thing. We're persistent at it, aren't we? We're persistently unfaithful to God. Bottom line. And that's what we're seeing here in this parable, their rejection. And here's what they do. They rejected the master's servants. They rejected the master's servants. Now, these servants are representative, it says, of the prophets. And God would send prophets to them. And here's what they would do to the prophets throughout time. They would do things like stone them. One of the prophets, they stuck them in a hollow log, sawed it in half. That's not cool, is it? They rejected God's servants in their life. Because what would the prophets do? The prophets would come and they would try to bring the people back to God. They would try to point out to the people their sins and their need for repentance and how they needed to get right with God. But the nation of Israel would continue to reject its prophets. And it's something that they knew. It's something that they understood. You know, here's the thing, folks. When you think about your life, there are many voices, especially in our culture in America, my goodness, there are many voices in your life as far as what God is wanting to communicate to you. It might be a pastor, it might be some Bible teacher, it might be something you see on Facebook. Somebody's got some nice spiritual thing up there on Facebook, sharing a verse of Scripture. It might be God's Word. But for some of us, what do we do? We turn a blind eye to it and we reject it. This is what they were doing. Rejecting God's servants. Rejecting the master's servants. Here's what else they were doing. They were blinded by their own reality. Blinded by their own reality. What's going on here? So, okay, 
The master decides, well, I'll send my own son. They'll treat him with respect. They'll know it's my son. They'll give him what he is due. But what do they do? When the, when the son shows up, they reason among themselves, let us kill the son, and the inheritance will be ours. Somewhere along the line, in their thinking, they missed something. They made assumptions. Like what? They assumed that maybe the master wasn't there anymore. They assumed that the master wouldn't do anything about it. I mean, think about it. I mean, you, I mean, you're kind of like, you know, you're kind of playing with your life here, aren't you? Isn't that what we do? God sends his messengers our way through his word and whatever means to talk with us, to confront us about what we're doing in our lives. And we are blinded by our own realities. So we reject. And Israel rejected. And the leaders rejected. And this is what Jesus is saying. They rejected him. So here's what happens. The judgment happens. Look at what it says there in verse 15. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? Jesus said he will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard that, they said, certainly not. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the first point. The master will destroy the wicked. The master will destroy the wicked. You know, this is a concept that is kind of hard for us to grasp because of the culture we live in today. You know, the culture we live in today, it's nobody's fault anymore. Have you noticed that? You know, if you have an accident, it's not your fault. It's PennDOT's fault. They didn't clean the road right. Stop sign wasn't in the right place. They had the speed limit too low. It's not your fault. It was your brake's fault. Your mechanic is the reason why you smashed into that car. If the brakes had just been right, you probably would have never smashed into that car. You know what I'm talking about? It's not your fault anymore. You know, when you have a, a, a problem, maybe an addiction issue, it's not your fault. It's somebody else's fault because of what they did to you. It's your daddy's fault. It's your mama's fault. It's your teacher's fault. your coach. your pastor. It's everybody else's fault. That, isn't that true? That's the culture we live in. Nobody wants to grasp the reality that we have a personal responsibility. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus is making the point here, is that when the master finds out, guess what he does? He comes and he destroys those wicked tenant farmers. He destroys them. And here's the thing. We may be blinded by our own realities concerning what happens in the future and that everybody's going to be okay, but that's not truth. The reality is, is that there is a day of reckoning coming. The reality is, is that God does settle accounts. And the wicked will be destroyed. And you and I need to grasp that. You know what? You may be here and God's been sending voice after voice after voice to you to try to turn you around in some area. And you're rejecting. You're not listening. In fact, you're in your own reality. Here's the reality, folks. Here's the reality that you need to grasp. It's not your own reality. It's the reality of what the Scripture says. There's a day of reckoning. And it's coming. In fact, here's... You know what the Apostle Paul describes it as? I always I was struck by this. Here's the Apostle Paul. He talks about us being saved by faith and, and anticipating that day. He, who would who is the, the formation of most of the theology that we believe, he describes that day as the day of terror. For him, it's a day of terror. Whoa! It's a day of reckoning. 
And Jesus says that the master will destroy the wicked. Now, here's what else he'll do. And this is where they react. He will include others in the promise. This is the point he's making to Israel. Israel, it's not just about you anymore. I gave you the vineyard. You didn't do what you were supposed to do with the vineyard. You didn't fulfill your obligations. So God's going to come. He's going to send. And he's going to destroy those who are wicked. And he's going to turn around and give the promise to others. Now, aren't you glad for that? Because the promise was given to who? To us. To share with them. Now, look at their reaction. They're not happy about that because they say this. Certainly not. May it never be, is what the Greek means there. And this is the judgment that's coming. God's trying to get our attention. He's speaking to us. We're rejecting Him. And here's what He's saying. I'm going to take that promise. I'm going to take what I want to do with you and give it to somebody else. Is that true for some of you? He wants to do something with you through your life and you're rejecting Him? You're not acknowledging Him in your life? You're living in your own reality. Judgment's coming. And if you're a child of God, it's definitely coming. Why? Judgment begins with the house of God, does it not? He chastises every son that he loves. And the reality is, is he's going to turn his attention somewhere else. This is the point he's making here, the judgment issue. So then he kind of wraps it all up because they're like, no, this can't be true. This, this shouldn't be happening is what they're saying. But look at the pronouncement he makes here, verse 17 through 18. He says, Then he looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And whoever falls on that stone will be broken. And on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Here's the pronouncement. The rejected one is now supreme. This is the point he's making. He is the stone that the builders... Who's the builders? The leaders of Israel. He is being rejected. And so he's saying now, this stone has become the chief cornerstone. What does that mean? Well, in the building in their day, you know, their, their foundations were a little bit different then, you know, we, we pour our foundations and so forth with concrete and everything and block, and we have it all set there to make sure that it's on a solid foundation when we build a house. Their whole thing was a little bit different. They had a chief stone, a, a cornerstone, from which the whole rest of the building would form up from. And that was where it was kind of a major rock that they would put things on. And what he's saying is the rock that would be rejected by the builders to be used in the building, it ends up being the chief stone on which everything is based. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's that stone. Everything in life is based on him. He is the one who's supreme. Do you understand what I'm saying? He now is the one who's supreme. Here's what else he says. Those who stumble will be destroyed. Those who stumble on that stone will be destroyed. Because that's the issue here, isn't it? He's the stumbling block. Because life comes down to this, folks. It comes down to what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? What do you mean, George? You've got to make a decision in your life. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? He either is who he said he is or he's not. If he is who he says he is, then what he says must be important, and I've got to do something with it. Do you understand the decision? If I, if, if I don't believe who he is, then I reject him. But here's the point. He, J- Jesus is saying he is who he is, and those who reject him will what? Be destroyed. 
And he kind of uses it, and he kind of says that the rock will fall on them and grind them to powder. That's pretty, ever thought about being ground to powder? I mean, that's pretty vivid illustration there, isn't it? It's not like the wily coyote where a rock falls on him and he gets up and walks around again. The picture here is one of destruction. Those who stumble on Jesus, they're going to be destroyed. That has implications for you and I, even as believers. If you don't take Jesus seriously in your life, you're going to stumble on him. And it's going to result in judgment. Period. We say, I'm not going to hell, am I? No, no, it's not talking about hell for you folks, if you know Christ. But it will be an issue of chastisement. This is the point he's making here. This is the point he wants us to see. We are accountable. Do you know that? We're accountable. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I shared this morning at Sunday school that I've been reading through Matthew. And I was reading through Matthew chapter 3. I think where I stopped was somewhere around chapter 5. So I was reading through, you know, the, the story of John the Baptist and the baptism of Jesus as well as the temptation of Christ by Satan in the wilderness. And as I'm reading through it, there I'm not going to share with you what God was talking to me about. I just want to make the point that I was doing that. But God was speaking to me about typical things in my life that I needed to adjust. Because every time I read the scripture, I'm exposed. I mean, George, it's like somebody lifts the veil on George. And that can be a pretty... It's a serious moment. So I'm confronted with myself when I read the scripture. So I'm reading the scripture. Jesus is confronting me. The Spirit's confronting me about things as I'm reading it. Now, I've got a decision to make. Am I going to ignore it? Am I going to reject it? Or am I going to do something about it? Do you understand? Because now I'm responsible for what I know. And he's just pointed out something to me. And I'm responsible to him for it. So here's what happens. My decision is going to determine what happens in the future. What do you mean? If I do what he's telling me to do and make the adjustment, even if it's painful, because a lot of things that God's showing me these days have to do with, with my character and my inner, my inner thought life or my inner being of who I am. That's, those things, those adjustments are painful. But if I do that, there's blessing later on in whatever form. But if I don't do that, if I ignore it, if I reject it, guess what I'm inviting in my life? Anybody know? Punishment. You know what I'm saying? I lose privileges. It's like my kids know what that means. Okay? Do you know what, what do you mean? Like, you know, I tell my kids, you know, when I say to them, hey, won't you listen to Dad? I'm telling you, don't do this again. And if they do it again, I'll tell you what, in my house, does not work. I forgot. That doesn't work. God's the same way, folks. If you and I are going to stumble over Jesus and not do what he says, there's a price to be paid in our life. Now, I don't know what that is in your life. Because only you know what you're rejecting him about. But the point is, is Jesus is saying for these guys, they're rejecting him and it's going to lead to their destruction and the promise will be given to somebody else. Say, okay, Sir George, what what do we do with this? Well, 
here, let me give you some thoughts. Number one, how would you describe your faithfulness? Maybe you haven't even thought in terms of that before. How would you describe your faithfulness to Jesus Christ? How would you describe your faithfulness to the Master? Because He's given you a responsibility. Well, He has given me a vineyard, George. I don't have grape. I'm not a grape farmer. No, no, but He's given you wherever you are that you're living. He's given you responsibilities there. If you're a parent, you have children, you have a family. How, how faithful are you to God where you live, work, and exist in this life? How faithful are you to Him? See, we don't think in terms of that. But everything I do, everything I am, everything I have has been given to me by God. The question is, is am I faithful to Him with what He's given me? You understand what He's given me? How would you describe your faithfulness? Those are things that we need to contemplate. Here's the other thing. Are you rejecting Jesus? Are you rejecting Christ in your life? Are you rejecting what he wants for your life? Are you rejecting what it is that he wants for your life? And, you know, here's what we'll do. We'll make, we'll make up nice excuses. Well, you know, I'm forgiven. You know, I, I'm, I'm secure. I mean, he, he'll forgive me. I just got to confess it. Yeah, I understand that. There is forgiveness, but there still is consequences too. Do you understand? There's still consequences. Yes, we are forgiven of our sins. Yes, we are cleansed of our sins. But if I reject him, did you understand what I'm saying? There is forgiveness, but there's also consequences. you got to grasp that. And so let me ask you that question again. Are you rejecting Jesus? You might be here and you don't know him and you're rejecting him. I'm just going to be frank with you. That means a destiny that you are not wanting to have. Because the wicked will be destroyed. But if you do know him and you're rejecting him in some area of your life, you've got to recognize there are going to be consequences for that. So what do we do with that, George? Well, here's your action point this week. Make the decision to respond to Jesus' call in your life. What's he calling to you about? Is it something you need to adjust in your marriages? Is it something you need to adjust in your parenting? Is it something you need to adjust in the way you live your life or in something that you're involved in? Maybe it's maybe it's it's even more basic than that. Maybe it's he's calling to you to come to him by faith so that you can have salvation in him and you've been rejecting that. Here's what I'm saying. You got to make a decision this day, this week, at some point. You got to make this you can't put it off to respond to Jesus's call in your life. He's calling to each and every one of you to do something. You got to respond to that. Don't put it off. Because the day of reckoning is coming. We are accountable. Do you understand? We are accountable. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.